If you want to become financially independent, come to my seminar. Let me show you how to make the fortune you have always dreamed about. Ready? Go! What happens if you are named in Nelson Rockefeller's will? You get rich quick. Stand on the line, turn the game again. Everybody's gonna lose, and I'm gonna win. Gonna get rich quick. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Get Rich Quick with Josh and Noel. Right here on Radio Free Brooklyn, your home for all things deli. Um. Hi, Noel. How are you today? I'm all right. I just want to say this is the show where uh, two middle-aged white guys sit in a basement and uh, give you all sorts of ideas on how to get rich yep. as quickly as possible. Uh, we are the patriarchy, yeah. so you should be listening to us. Yeah, we are releasing the financial dogs out to the people. Sounds sexual to me, Noel. Oh really? Yeah. That's the uh, idea you that should... you're releasing. I think it was the pregnant pause at the end of releasing. It wasn't uh-huh. pregnant, but that sort of you gave a little room for interpretation there at releasing. We're empowering the people. Yes, we are. With financial knowledge. <laughs> That's right. That they can go, they can enact they can get rich. Yep. They can give us 10%. And that's all we ask in in the end. You take these ideas that we uh so graciously give to you for Super free. Super graciously. Um and uh you thank us for them not by thanking us. No. But by giving us some of the money you make. Yeah. Uh actually there's a specific amount we want. We want 10%. That's right. That's um, the deal. Yeah. So there you go. That's our show. That's what we do. Uh, as I said right before, how are you, Noel? I, What's going on? Eh? What's new and different? Well, uh, I'll tell you uh, something that happened <clears throat> the other day. What? Uh, so I, I know you are aware of this, but uh, and by now probably a lot of the Radio Free Brooklyn listeners are aware of this, but uh, our captain of the HMS Radio Free Brooklyn, Tom Tenney, mm-hmm. uh, got in a car accident the other day. He's been Terrible. driving uh, rideshare programs. Yep. And uh, he actually got in an accident with someone else that was doing uh, with the, the same, same program, yeah. right? And same company, uh, yeah. And so, called me up. He was very shaken up. Uh, we're good friends, mm-hmm. so I went out there to meet him. And uh, so, went there. They towed the car. Uh, went for a walk. It was over by Williamsburg. So we uh, went to. We found some little bar. That served beer and sausages was basically all it said uh-huh. in the window. And uh, I don't remember the name of the place. It was kind of a goofball bar, but the uh, the sausages were really good. Yeah. And so we sat there, you know, cheered him up a little bit, um, got some food in him, some <clears throat> beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went up and went to the bathroom. And I was sitting there. And there was a woman at the bar. And she was ordering something. And she dropped something out of her purse. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I should tell her that she dropped them out of her purse. Uh-huh. And uh, so I got up to go over there and tell her. But as I got closer, I realized, oh, no, she dropped a condom out of her purse. And I'm not going to tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny you said that because yeah. that was what popped in my head. Yeah. You know, you as a single dude... Going out there and no. ladies are dropping condoms to drop hints. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what's going <laughs> that's on, what Josh. Did. Oh, did I drop that? Oops. Yeah. Well, I didn't tell her, so I missed my chance. You missed an opportunity yeah. for uh, guilt-free yeah. uh, sexual intercourse no. with a person of the opposite sex. There's no such thing as guilt-free. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. That, 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 there comes a point where there really is no such thing yeah. as guilt-free. But, uh, yeah, the big C <clears throat> dropped on the floor. Uh-huh. Nice. The big C. Yeah. So I wonder uh-huh. if because it's the big C, yeah. we're using the term the big C. Is that how it ties into today's that's topic? That's how it ties in. Which is? It is the C. How to get rich off it. That's right. How to get your salty, salty money. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could also be the saltiness of 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 the the payload. Uh-huh, you're gross. In, in <laughs> uh, not that I would know. Yeah. I just have heard. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I actually put it down as oceans because for some reason that rang better in my ears. Okay. Uh, but the sea, the ocean, the thing that is, what, three-quarters, five-eighths, something like that? A lot. Of, of this planet yeah. that we live on. Um the thing that is full of the thing that makes us uh, a livable planet. Yeah. You like how I was clear with that? Yeah. Water. Water, Water is yeah. what makes this a livable planet. Yeah. And it's all in that sea. I think you just blew some minds when you just told people that the oceans and the seas are full of water. I did, didn't I? Because I'm. I, that's what kind of the other thing I feel like we're here for. Yeah. To drop knowledge bombs that's on right. people. Boom. Yeah. Um, that's why we are able to exist. Yeah. On this planet. What's the first thing they look for on these planets they're looking at to make them viable for human uh, living? Water. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, the ocean. The ocean is rife, rife for money-making possibilities. Oh, and we're gonna we have a few between. Well, I'd say at least four. Yeah. Between the two of us. That's right. And I gotta add. Uh huh. You know, with the uh, with the melting ice caps. There's going to be much more of it. That's right. This yeah. is a growing industry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. You got to get in on the ground floor. That's right. Well, actually, I would say try to get in on the 12th or 13th floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Noel, yep. why don't you start us off, my friend? I will do that. So, when I started researching, I was first thinking about something that you had previously raised, mm-hmm. which is seasteading. Which is uh, a word someone made up to uh, <laughs> about uh, mark uh, making independent cities on oil rigs and the like, uh-huh. you know. Um, and looking through these, they're all these super large projects <clears throat> that seem to raise a lot of money, but not enough, and eventually they disintegrate. Right? Uh-huh. I, I definitely, the more I read about these. Seemed to get the stink of scam off him. I wish I had read about these in our last episode, even. <laughs> um, so, in 2008, the Seasteading Institute was formed. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's an organization to help facilitate the establishment of autonomous seaborne communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually recently made an agreement with French Polynesia and uh, to be in their waters. Uh-huh. And still not be entirely autonomous, but semi-autonomous. So uh-huh. it would be like an economic free zone kind of thing, right? <clears throat> yep. Probably they aren't allowed to murder. <laughs> you know, uh, there's some rules uh-huh. that French Polynesia gets to tell them. Right. Uh, I think murder is legal in French Polynesia. Okay. Just saying. Okay. Well, then there you go. Yeah. Then I don't know what you're not allowed to do in French <laughs> Polynesia, but whatever it is, there's something that uh-huh. they can't do. Um, so they are now raising big money for a floating city. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One of the ones I read that really interested me, though, was called 
Blue Seed. Uh-huh. And this was founded in 2011 and was supposed to be a giant cruise ship or cargo ship or something of the like uh, that was going to get fixed up, <clears throat> totally renovated, parked 12 miles off the coast of San Francisco in international waters, and basically it was going to be uh, an incubator for startups for non-U.S. citizens who still want to be close to Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, got a lot of attention, <clears throat> and it got a lot more when it got the interest and support of Peter Thiel. Right, yeah. Yeah, one of the founders of PayPal. Yeah, scumbag. Yeah, scumbag, sewer of Gawker. Yep. Secret. Destroy- not just sewer of Gawker, destroyer of Gawker. Yep. Funded the destruction of Gawker. Yeah. Uh, lover of Trump. Lover of Trump. Um, Loves that yep. freaking guy. Yep. And yet he was willing to help keep sort of illegal immigrants. Well, but he's keeping them out of the country. Yeah, he sure is. So they're coming in and they are living on this uh, seasteading place where I would imagine, since it's in international waters, Uh he can treat them any way he wants to treat them. Maybe. Maybe that's the deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, it went from, once it got the attention of Peter Thiel, right? It went from 31 startups that were signed up uh, to be on board in November 2011. One month later, it was 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, by February 2012, it was over 100. Um, by May 2012, it was 133. <coughs> by June 2012, it was 250. And by December 2012, <clears throat> it had risen to 336 startups that had signed wow. up, wanted in, wanted to live, and work on this ship. So they're signing up not to invest. They're signing up to actually be on. Yes. I mean, by inve- the, the investment is they're actually going to be a part of this. They're going to have uh, offices and, and workers on yes. this this thing. Yeah. So, so the incubator uh, business model is the, these people would pay uh, rent. At the time, it was going to be between fifteen hundred and three thousand dollars a room, mm-hmm. and uh, be given a workspace. And uh, if they made any money with their startup, uh, the the organization Blue Seed would get a percentage of their company. That sounds like uh, the uh, T.J. Miller character's deal on exactly uh, exactly what's that show. Uh, it's Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, yeah. right. So, um, so they raised a lot of money, $5 million from Peter Thiel alone, and uh, in March 2013, they announced that the cost would be, the overall cost would be $27 million to get this moving. That's not a, a lot. Uh, well, it was enough <clears throat> to do something, because then in April, so that was in March, April 2013, CFO quit. July oh, really? 2013, mm-hmm. the CEO stepped down, uh-huh. and that seemed to be the end of the road of what I could read on Blue Seed. Right. Uh, but yet they had raised a lot of money. So what happened to that money, right? Mm, good question. Uh, yeah. that's the, All this stuff I read about these things seemed to be like, eh, I don't know about this. <laughs> so there's a lot of first people involved, and uh-huh. a lot of money kind of disappeared. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway... Um, then... As you just mentioned, April 
2014. <laughs> did mention that. Silicon Valley premiered on HBO. Oh, okay, yeah. Right? And it's about a guy who's T.J. Miller. Oh, look at this. And Great he minds. runs an incubator out of his house, hits it big when Pied Piper makes some money. Um, <clears throat> I think it's interesting that you see that show as a that the main character is the T.J. Miller. No, character. no, no, I don't. But oh, but okay. but that's the situation. Right. I got you. You know. Yeah. Um, and so it when I thought about that because you know b- before that show came out, you'd probably just someone could tell you something about an incubator, and you'd be like, oh yeah, it's got to be this big thing. Right. But after seeing that, you realize like it doesn't have to be a big thing. No. Nope. It can be this dude with his house. Right. You know. Uh, so everyone's <clears throat> thinking too big. They're taking years to raise millions of dollars before they can start making money, before they can start having pieces of these companies. By the time they get going, Silicon Valley might be over. Yep. You know? You're right. Um, so everyone's thinking too big. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? We need to think small. So I looked online. I found many listings for houseboats for around $20,000. Dollars yep. a piece. So what you need to do, you need to start with two, because you need a redundant system, right? You need to go out there, tether these two boats together, twelve uh-huh. miles off the coast. Uh-huh. Just get one company that wants to live in one. You can maybe live out in the other one, or have a some sort of maintenance guy or cook yep. or something in the other one. Uh-huh. And if one sinks, because they are houseboats, uh, everyone can just get on the other one, and no one, you know, it, it's not a disaster, right? Uh, so <laughs> as you make money, grow as you're able and g- buy more houseboats, tie them together to make larger and larger floating mass. Uh, once one startup hits it big or gets bought, you get a percentage and you can finally get that cruise ship or oil platform you always dreamed of and, you know, really do it the way Peter Thiel wanted. Uh, also extra money now that we live in the world we live in. And Peter Thiel helped make that happen. Uh, you can park other ones all over uh, coastal cities around the U.S. where uh, local non-documented workers can live. Uh huh. And uh, jet ski in, mm-hmm. do their job, and then go back home. Jet ski back out. Yeah. the The problem, uh-huh. and I would see this as probably the biggest problem. Yeah. With the idea of this boat is that uh, boats eventually need to dry dock, no matter how big they are. All right. They eventually need to dry dock and get, you know, fixed. Sure. They need, you know, there's rust, there's, you know, paint jobs, there's the whole thing. So when you have a boat yeah. filled with illegals yeah. that can't, and when you're talking about the size they're talking about, you're looking at, you know, several thousand, maybe, if you're talking about, like, a cruise ship size uh, vehicle, uh-huh. right? Several thousand people yeah. who are all illegals coming in and having to just be dropped off on whatever shore that they're dry docking in for six months. Uh-huh. You know, you have to—that's the big That's the big figure. Well, no, yeah, that, that, that's fine. That's no That's no worry at all. I don't know. I we're, think so. We're starting out small. We're well, starting out right. with a couple houseboats. Right. No, I get it. You are. But I'm just saying, as it gets bigger, and the whole, I bet that was one of the biggest issues. Like, I don't know why anyone didn't ask that. Like, that wasn't the first question they asked these guys when uh-huh. they came up with that idea. That's all. I'm just, it wasn't, okay. wasn't shooting down so your we, idea. No, no. We've even figured out a way around there, right. the flaw in their plan that yep. they never saw coming. <clears throat> yeah. So is that, that's the whole idea? That's the whole it's idea. It's a solid idea. Yeah. 
I am going to tell you right now, uh-huh. my first idea is dangerously close. Is dangerously close, but better. <laughs> um, <laughs> because my idea uh-huh. is better. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so, so this is this is what I have. All right. So we've done a bit. I, I, I can't. I, I, was it? I, was it trash? Maybe that. Um, we talked about the uh, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Yes, we did. Right, and uh, you know, you wanted to take all that plastic uh-huh. and uh, put it on the commodities market. Yep. Uh, which I pointed out to you recently uh, would then devalue plastic. Not unlike we had that discussion in our in our in our uh, uh-huh. treasure hunting episode. Uh, that one of the problems when you bring up all of this golden treasure, it devalues it, so it's never worth as much as eh. they claim the value of it is. I think you're uh, underestimating but, the amount of plastic in the world. So let me let me let me explain right. about this thing. So okay. I don't remember if we talk about the size of this particular patch. All right, but it's enormous. It's huge. It's the size of Texas, uh-huh. and sometimes larger depending on how much is going. Uh, uh, around there it was uh uh it sits in these areas there are five gyres in the world i think they're called gyres they may be called gyres um and uh what a gyre is is it's where two separate currents converge and basically create a Uh vortex and then things get sucked in that vortex um and uh stay there they don't move is it they, pronounced maybe Yeros? Yeros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you wrap it in yeah. a, a nice warm pita yeah. and stuff French fries in it, and it's delicious. Okay. So it's gyros. What is right. it? Right. Gyres. It's, okay. It's, uh, it's pronounced G Y R E. Yeah. Yeros. Or pr- spelt G Y R E. Yeros. 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 Right. It's Greek. Um, so anyway, and so, and so this one in particular in the uh, northern Pacific is the biggest one yeah. there is. Uh, and it's full. It was uh, initially discovered by a guy by the name of Captain Charles Moore, who was, uh, in 1996, he was doing a sailboat race uh, from L.A. to Honolulu, and uh, and it's kind of midway, mm-hmm. right between Hawaii and, and California. And he had hit some uh, real dead patch uh, of wind, which apparently is also part of these gyres is they are flat. Like, there's not a lot of wind that goes through them. They're very calm uh-huh. uh, when you're in it. And he, as he was sort of bobbing along there and sort of mo- motoring through slowly, he was noticing all this plastic. Like, it was like an insane amount of plastic that he was, that he was motoring through. So he, he got back, and he put together a little crew and told, you know, told some scientists, and then people started studying it and checking it out. And they found out that there's this how huge it was. They measure it constantly. Moore went back, uh, Charles Moore went back like 15 years later mm-hmm. in uh, 2014, 15, something like that. Uh, well, I guess 15 years later would be like 2013. He went back and discovered, this was post-tsunami, Yeah, that uh, <clears throat> after the tsunami hit and in Japan, and pulled all of this fishing stuff out there. There were lots of buoys and rope and nets that it had made its way to the gyre, the gyro, uh-huh. and had, there are like 50-foot islands made up of plastic and garbage 
and rope and buoys and things like that have sort of come together uh-huh. and that there's actual uh, 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 these trash islands ha- actually have beaches uh-huh. on them now. Yep. Rocky coastlines, underwater mountains. These are all in quotes, but yeah. it's just mountains of shit like it's stuff sticking to it. And uh, and 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 reefs. And there are mussels, clams, sea anemone, anemone, and seaweed are sheltering on these artificial islands. So this is already becoming kind of a, 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 a it's like a new landmass is sort of being created now, uh-huh. possibly. So then I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Because I was going with the idea of like creating your own island, which we had talked about uh-huh. uh, uh, previously. And so I was sort of looking at, you know, make your own island. And I came across... In uh, uh, Isla de Mujeres, Quintana Roo, in Mexico, okay, there is a guy, this uh, English guy who moved down there, named Richard Soa, and he has built his own floating island using entirely recycled materials. Okay, and what he's done is he's taken burlap bags, filled them up with uh, plastic bottles, then attached them, tied them to. Uh, uh, wooden pallets, right? Uh-huh. And then flip them over so the bottles are underneath, right, in the water, uh, buoying these wooden pallets, and then made several of these, tied them all together. Then he covered it entirely in sand and then planted mangroves. Okay. So now, for those of you that don't know, mangroves have an enormous uh, root structure, and mangroves protect coastlines around the world because their root structure gets so intertwined and and you know a small mangrove can have a root structure that's 20 30 40 feet long oh wow and very powerful and they they thrive on coastlines and sandy areas so what has happened over time is these mangroves their root structures have buried in and created a solid mass underneath so now he is planting on this island. He's built a house on it, uh-huh. and he adds to it periodically. He'll add a few more planks, and then you know over time it rots. He may have to add a new thing, and then more mangrove uh, tendrils go in and hold it in. But it's like solid mass being buoyed by uh, these bottles. And he has built a house on it that runs on solar. Uh-huh. Um, he collects rainwater for drinking and for showering and washing up. Uh, and he has actually got it big enough now that he has a small plot of it. He's growing his own vegetables on there. Okay? So I thought to myself, this Texas-sized mass, this garbage patch, uh-huh. is about 80% plastics. Yeah. Right? And it's all just booing there. You just got to go out there, and you got to collect all this stuff together, and you make this Texas-sized landmass, Right? When I was a kid in St. Thomas, we would sail periodically, a few times a year. We would hop in a, on our sailboat, and we would sail to Tortola in the British Virgin Islands. There was an island we'd always stop at going to and coming from Tortola uh-huh. uh, called Joost van Dyck, and it was a stopover for everybody in a boat. And it was basically this tiny little island that had a little lagoon, Right. And you're not even a lagoon, like a little just protected area that you uh-huh. would, I guess that's a lagoon that you would sail into. There was a beach bar there. 
where you could eat and drink and party, and everyone would sleep on their boats in the lagoon. There were like literally maybe 30 people living on this island, uh-huh. and everyone stopped there for the night, right? Or if there was bad weather coming, they'd pull in there. And you realize when you look up, like travel things is like, there are lots of islands like these throughout the world that people, they're stopover islands for people who are boating. There's no islands like that between Hawaii and California. Oh. And the, 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 the boating to Hawaii, sail, sailing to Hawaii can take you about a week. Coming back, it's up to two weeks because you're fighting currents the other way. Uh-huh. So if you have this monstrous party place that anything goes yeah. because it's in international waters, you can make a fucking fortune. Sure. Yeah. You can have, because of the size of it, I mean, granted, you know, you're collecting everything up, you're bringing it together. It'll be smaller than Texas when it's all said and done. But let's even say it's the size of Rhode Island. Sure. You can fit a lot of people on there. You can put a lot of boats in there. I mean, you've got refueling. Uh-huh. You've got uh, uh, party beaches. You've got bars, restaurants. I mean, you can go nuts. You can create your own little money-making fiefdom. Now, that being said, there are five more gyres like this. They're not as big, but they all collect these plastics and waste and garbage around the world. You can be the guy or yeah. gal who uh, makes a fortune off of this. Yeah. So there you go. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You could be the Yero King. Yeah. King of Yero. Your name could be Suvlaki Sam. The Yero King. <laughs> Suvlaki Sam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, one little throwaway one I had. Yeah. Which was kind of related to where I was in mentally first going with my mm-hmm. idea. Was, <clears throat> uh, so the tides, right? Right. And super cool. If you're at somewhere, though where the tide is and it's not like a nice pristine beach when the tide gets low it all looks kind of scuzzy right it right. all looks dirty There's all and, that weird foam yeah that sea foam yeah and seaweed and mm-hmm. you know uh so my thought was make <clears throat> seaside homes that move forward when the tide goes out <laughs> and come back when the tide comes in <laughs> and so you never see that that uh, that ugly Peace revealed. Yeah, I think you could do that. Yeah. I mean, it would be hydraulics and tracks. Yeah. And a big then, little house, train house. Yeah. I think that would absolutely work. Yeah. That's a good idea. There you go. All right. Throw away, though. Yeah. Well, don't throw it away. Use it, people. Yeah, that's right. 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know what, guys? You're making money. We're making money. What about the corporations out there, though? <laughs> They're really not making any no, money. You know, we gotta yeah. we wanna we wanna reach out and give our financial hug to everyone. And as we know, corporations are people too. And they those are. people yeah, get lonely. That's true. They do. That's why Josh and I really reached into our hearts and came up with our newest segment, Josh and Noel Sell Out, in which we are pursuing our dream. Didn't you go out with a corporation you met on Tinder or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I must be thinking of someone else. Yeah. Uh, so we're pursuing our dream <laughs> uh-huh. of selling out to corporate America. Uh, and you know the traditional ways you can do it. You can go to the RadioFreeBrooklyn.com webpage. Go to the Get Rich Quick with Josh Knowles <clears throat> show page. That's the best way to yeah. do it, by the way. This is the best way All as right. far as we're concerned. Yeah, for, for the individual, for the little guy. Yeah. Click the sponsor button and 
sponsored amount that'll come out on a monthly basis for the rest of the season. I think it's about three months. Uh, and then it will stop. It won't keep going. You'd have to renew it. You're not locked in for life. We're not AOL. No, we're not. No. That's true. Uh, so <laughs> half that money would go to Josh and I. Half that money would go to Radio Free Brooklyn. If you hate us, if you're like, these Don't guys are trying to start lawless zones across the world, uh, then you can go to the RadioFreeBrooklyn.com webpage, hit the Patreon link, and you can pledge a one-time, <laughs> a reoccurring amount of money. None of that money will go to Josh or I. It'll only go to Radio Free Brooklyn, and you can put a note. You can say, cancel these guys. They're pirates. You can do that. I wouldn't suggest it personally, uh-huh. but if that's what you want to do, yeah. like if you hate us so much, yeah. you know, that's, a, that's an option. It is. And just knowing... The situation at Radio Free Brooklyn, uh-huh. they will uh, give it a heavy consideration. They will. Yeah. They if, will. You're, if you give them enough money. Yeah. If you, though, are a megacorp out there. And you know who you are. That's right, megacorps. Noel's looking to date you. <laughs> enough already. <laughs> uh, so if you are a megacorp out there, uh, you can just get in touch with Josh and I, sponsor us, give us oodles of money right now we have a sponsor so you'll have to really start out with some big bucks yep to <laughs> to entice us away yeah you're gonna have to ask for like three or four dollars yeah. <laughs> no three or four million dollars yeah, there you go from our because that we would have to get enticed away from our favorite sponsor right. our first sponsor our only sponsor mm-hmm. mr monty lamonti please take it away Hey everybody, it's your good friend Monty Lamonti and I'm back again with a great tip for you. This tip is for all the jerks out there that don't close drawers or cabinet doors. Stop doing that, you big jerk. People hate walking past open drawers and open cabinets. Just use some common sense and courtesy and close the damn drawer. As always, an amazingly positive Positive influence in your life, your best friend, Monty Lamonti. And remember, you heard this, you owe me $2. Payable via PayPal at Montyism at Yahoo.com. Now, someone I am very close to thinks my listeners aren't that smart, and I need to clarify that my email address is Monty, M-O-N-T-E, ism, I-S-M, at Yahoo.com. So get that E in there, people. Montyism at Yahoo.com. And let's start paying me, okay? Thanks. Goodbye. Wow. <laughs> wow. Monty sounded a little high on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Is that Monty angry? You know Monty. You're old, old friends with Monty. Yes, Is I that am. him angry? Like, is that what he's like, or does uh, he get angry? No. You know what? Monty wakes up at an absurdly early hour, right? So he'll get up at like 4.35 in the morning. Uh-huh. And so his wife gets up later. Right. So that might actually be Monty trying to be quiet. Oh, I and see. Gotcha. Like thinking, what should I do? <laughs> oh, my wife left a drawer open. <laughs> <laughs> right. He smashed into it on his way out of the bedroom. Yeah. And he's just, hopefully she didn't hear this one. Yeah. Because uh, she's going to be like, you're airing our dirty laundry out there. That's right. Yeah, it happens. That's, it happens. It does the happen. The nature of fame, people. The nature of fame. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but look, guys, number one, it sounds like uh, no one's paying Monty yet. 
is uh, what it's sounding like to know. me. So uh, along with the tithes that we're owed, and uh, you know who you are, uh, mega corporations yeah. that have stolen our ideas, um, you know, you guys who are using Monty's or learning from Monty's stuff, yep. I guess, uh, you know, throw them a little bone. That's right. Get some money. Don't don't let it stack up because then it's hard to catch up. That's right. It's easier to pay as you go, guys. How horrible would it be if, like, all these people were trying to PayPal him, like the thousands and thousands of listeners yeah, we have for spelling Montyism for wrong? For spelling it like to M O N T Y ism, <laughs> I would feel so bad if that were the case. Yeah. So, guys, it's with an E. Yeah. So, come on. Uh-huh. Uh, so every week, guys, we have a show. We have a topic. <laughs> we do. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> this week, it is the C. And we give you ways for you to just reap rewards beyond all all dreams from that topic. But we also take a minute and we hide another little topic in that show for you to make even more money. So if you are planting mangroves right now, if you're trying to close some drawers, if you are... Uh, Tying a couple houseboats together. You might want to listen to this, make some money, come back later, listen to the rest of the show, make even more money. So, Mr. Josh, please take it away. The Get Rich Quick Tip of the Week, brought to you by Radio Free Brooklyn. Yo app was created by Israeli developer Or Arbel in eight hours. It made him millions. The app itself is super simple and as Arbel admitted on an interview, the whole concept behind it was stupid. Users were able to send the word yo as a text or audio notification. Then the people who got it could simply ignore it or yo back. And believe it or not, that was it. No, really. The hype has died down now, but the app was valued at between 5 and $10 million in July 2014. I finished that. It was 2014. July of 2014, it was... Uh valued at five to ten million dollars for an app yep where i would say yo to noel yeah and then noel if i had the app (laughs) that's right (laughs) and noel would then choose if he so desired say yo back that's right that's it (laughs) i hope he sold it uh when it was worth that much i don't know i i know he did make a decent chunk of change off of it Uh uh-huh um, and I think the app is still out there because I kind of remember hearing about it a year or so ago. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's it. It's no other messaging. That's right. Just you know, not yo where you at or yo what you up to. Yeah. <clears throat> Just yo. So I think the real message here uh-huh. is never think your ideas are too stupid. Yeah. Or I even think this because even he admitted that it's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's fine if your idea is stupid. Yeah. Admit that it's stupid. Yeah. It's fine that it's stupid. Do it anyway. Yeah. That, I think, is really the thing. Yeah. Because apparently no idea is too stupid. That's right. The stupid bird gets the worm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm going with that. So no idea is too stupid, guys. You heard it here first. Yeah. And probably will not be the last time we throw that mantra out. (laughs) Speaking of no idea is too stupid. (laughs) Uh, you guys, the C, how are we going to get rich with it? Well, I, I wanted to look at what, what out there is crazy about the ocean, about the seas. 
and and I wanted to get something with that and exploit it. So I found that there's giant undersea freshwater deposits, right? So it is water that is trapped under things that has not entirely no salt, but like one less than one-tenth the salt of the other water. Right. So it floats, but because it's trapped, it's down there, and they're giant, giant, giant deposits. Now, is it trapped underneath actual stuff, or is it just sort of is it sitting Under, underneath stuff? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, you know, I thought, great, you can you can get this water, you can make the world no no longer fear drought. Yeah. Uh, but turns out people are already starting to do this, and it costs giant big bucks to start this business up. I imagine, so yeah. So I'm like, all right, done. What else is crazy in the ocean? Deep sea drilling is expensive, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they're like, there's these freshwater deposits. There's also the opposite. And there's underwater lakes, rivers, and waterfalls. And basically, it's the opposite of the freshwater. This water has more salt than the water around it, so it's heavier. Mm-hmm. And it, you can see it. And these underwater lakes have, like, waves in it. It looks like you're standing at the side of a shore of water. Where do you, like, how do you, like, how far underwater? Like, how far down are It depends. They? depends where you are. It's not, like, a, a set thing. It's just that this water has heavier salt content than this water. So then, but it's, I'm I'm just confused. So it sinks, right? I got I got you. So, but so it's and so it's actually just literally under the water. Yeah, those are actually under the water. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I thought, great, I can make some underwater resorts. Mm-hmm. You know, have a you <clears throat> think uh, people like Niagara Falls. Yeah. There is off of uh, Norway, I think it was. It was either Norway or Finland. There was a water underwater waterfall <laughs> that was something like 10 times the size of Niagara Falls. Wow. And I thought, great, yeah, make a little dome down there with uh-huh. a hotel. And yeah. People can go there on their honeymoons. Uh, not a lot of light down there, though. Nah, well, it depends, you know. It depends on where you are. But, uh, you know... <laughs> If you thought it cost big bucks to get these fresh water deposits out there, okay, a yeah. giant domed <laughs> underwater true. hotel, yeah, not something that our average listener can start. Maybe you, Peter Thiel, yeah, because we know you're a listener. You are. <laughs> we don't know what you're doing. When you're listening, but we know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> what are you implying there, Nolan? So then I looked. What else is crazy in the ocean? And I found there are these giant underwater thermal vents, and they are. Places in the ocean where hot water shoots out up to 400 degrees Celsius, which is 752 degrees Fahrenheit. And I thought, great, I could harness that energy. It's like Old Faithful. Yeah, 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 but underwater. Right. Uh, harness that energy, power cities, whatever with it. Uh-huh. Uh, already being done, and huge bucks are needed. Yeah. And around that time, really... <clears throat> I got tired of looking for new things, and I said, <laughs> I got to make this one work. So uh, so I started thinking, what else can I do with these thermal vents? I, I was thinking about something else, right? Uh, well, well, no, first I looked at where they are. And there were the earth place plates meet, mm-hmm. right? So 
also where volcanoes and earthquakes happen, basically, right? So if you look at the map of where they are, because we all know about California and the risk it has of falling into the ocean, uh, all along the California coast, these these thermal vents are. Okay. And they also, along the California coast, lots of wealthy people, right? Yeah, that's so true. I want I want some of that. Uh, what do wealthy people love? They love being out on the sea. They do. So I've thought about the times that I've been <laughs> on the sea. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I used to go on a bunch of fishing trips. And Would you go on party boats, like big group boats, or would you go on, like, like four of you on a on a fishing it, boat. Rental. It would be like twenty, twenty five. Right. It wouldn't be a party boat, but it wouldn't be, you know, right. An intimate little thing either. So, if any of you have gone out on these fishing trips, there's one thing you know. They're freaking gross. You know, everything is covered in fish guts. Yeah. There's bait everywhere. Yep. It stinks. Yep. It is gross. Right. Yep. Rich people don't want that. No. So I came up with. The best idea ever. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> what's the best turkey ever had? Best turkey I've ever had? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, as a listener out there, <laughs> probably the best turkey they had, it was probably brined. Uh-huh. may have been deep fried, the way uh-huh. they deep fry these turkeys now. Uh, and that's the ingredients of awesome turkey nowadays. Yeah. So, what you do is you get these wealthy, wealthy Coastal Californians, you get them on an ice boat, not a fishing boat. It's not going to stink. There's no bait everywhere. There's no fish guts everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's civilized. They sit. They look at the waves. They look at the the sun. They drink wine, champagne, have hors d'oeuvres, you know? Yeah. And when you get out there, you get a little cage, you put a turkey in it. And you lower that turkey into the water, uh-huh. into the thermal jet. The salt water will brine the turkey. Uh-huh. And the superheated <laughs> water uh-huh. will cook the turkey uh-huh. in minutes so it is left super juicy, uh-huh. super delicious. Uh-huh. This will be the best turkey any of these people have ever eaten, I, ever. It's true. Uh, <laughs> and you can charge huge uh-huh. bucks. Uh-huh. It, it is dinner. It is drinks. It is luxury. Yeah. You're on a boat? You're on a boat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, wow. <laughs> you know what that was? That was my mind being blown, Yeah, man. that's good, right? That is uh, that is a level of cookery right there. Uh-huh. Culinary genius. Yeah. That, you know. We, it's like sous vide. Oh, like no, that's low temperature, right? What? what? Sous vide? Sous vide. What's it called? Oh, sous vide? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's very low temperature cooking. Oh, but this is it, the opposite. This is the opposite. This is like deep frying a this turkey. Is, yeah, this is and this brining is, it simultaneously. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what to say. You know, all meats are better brined in some fashion. Well, yeah, you can do it with pork. That's you, for sure. You can do it with pork. You can do it with chicken. You can do it with beef. Uh-huh. You can do. I mean, beef is actually not better. You it, beef is better just flavor wise if you take moisture out of it that's what dry aging okay. does but fish they dry brine fish by sprinkling it with salt again to draw moisture out uh-huh. uh but look i i i think what you have what really has happened here uh-huh is 
you know, when you talk about like sous vide, you get in this world of what's known as uh, uh, molecular gastronomy. That's right. That's right? what we're talking about. Right. And and molecular gastronomy that the, we're talking about. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> right. It is. And you know, these guys have you think you would think have come up with every single way at this point uh-huh. to cook a piece of meat. Yeah. And you've given them something new. You're you're. It's like super genius. Yeah. So the first person who goes out there and do that does mm-hmm. this. You probably also get a cooking show. Yeah, you get a cooking show. You certainly get a cookbook. A cook. You get lots of cookbooks. Yep. You get a uh, 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 worldwide notoriety, which means you get to go around and do speaking engagements with a lot of money in speaking engagements. Yep. You do a lot of television. You get big bucks for being the innovator, for being the guy who created it. Other people will do it. Yeah. But going out to sea and eating it from the originator is that's the key, right? Yeah. This is the guy who created yeah. this. Uh, uh, no, it's uh, yeah. There you go. I can't uh, I can't fault you with that one, Noel. That is uh, pure genius. Yeah. And you know this is an example, guys. Of so here, Noel was hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. Uh huh. But he he came through. Yeah. Because he, he, of my laziness. Right. Because exactly. I decided. I am doing no more research. That's right. I am done looking at facts. <clears throat> That's right. I'm done looking at facts, and I'm just going to put out this stupid idea. And as we just said, no idea is too stupid. Yeah. Because someone's going to make a gajillion dollars off of this. Well, I'm going to tell you. When uh-huh. I first thought of it, I thought it was a stupid idea. And then the more I thought about it, no, you're brining it. You're superheating it. Yeah. It's a brilliant idea yep. that no one thought of because it's it's disguised as a stupid idea. Exactly. That's what I mean by no idea is too stupid because in every stupid idea, there's a kernel of genius. Yeah. And in every genius idea, there's there's a a kernel of stupid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think we should, we need to book of sayings. Yeah. Book of financial sayings. Um, Hey, that's great, Noel. So I was, uh, uh, do you remember, because I never heard of this, so I'm curious if you had, Back in like 2003, there was a big hubbub that uh, there was a fish that talked at a fish market <laughs> in Rockland County, New York. Uh, apparently, it was at this uh, kosher fish market, and this uh, 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 Nicaraguan or Ecuadorian guy who worked there uh-huh. was there were all these live carp <coughs> that they were killing to turn into uh, into gefilte fish, <clears throat> and he pulls one big twenty pound carp out, slaps it on the table, is about to stab it, and it apparently starts talking to him. Okay, and the guy freaks out and he's looking around and he's going like, "Where'd that come from?" When he's looking in the sink. And the fish speaks again, and he jumps backward and sort of smashes into into something and falls down. And he runs out to the front, and he grabs one of the owners, yeah, this Hasidic guy, and pulls him back and starts screaming at him, the fish is talking to me, the fish is talking. And the guy says, and he's screaming like, it's the devil, it's the devil. And, you know, Jews don't believe in devils, and they don't believe in hell, so this guy's, oh, you crazy. And he goes back there, and the fish starts to talk to him, starts speaking in Hebrew, <laughs> um, and starts, uh, he, the, 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 the Hasidic guy claims <clears throat> that it instructed him to pray and study the Torah, um, 
and said things like, uh, said that he was the spirit of an old Hasidic man who had just died. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> then they freaked out, and then they killed the fish. Sure. Right? They panicked and killed the fish. But this became news. Yeah. Well, yeah. This became news to the point where, like, I'm reading about it in from a 2003 uh, 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 thing about uh, in BBC. Yeah. On the BBC, right? Uh, and it just kind of died away. No one ever really kind of. Uh, but apparently this guy got calls from all over the world asking sure. about the fish. And he was like, oh, this fish thing again. I don't even answer the phone anymore. So I was thinking about, oh, talking with fish, talking with fish, right? Communicating with dolphins, right? People uh are doing that. And for me, when I was a kid, <clears throat> I don't know if you re read Aquaman comic books or anything like that. Eh. I always thought Aquaman was a pretty weak superhero. Yeah. The only cool thing about Aquaman was he would sort of put his fingers to this, his temples and he would send out those sonars and every yeah. sea creature sure. would come to his aid. Yeah. Way better than Tarzan doing the oh, oh, oh and a lot less racist. Mm -hmm. Right? And, uh, I, I was thinking about that. There's got to be something in communicating with sea creatures, okay. right? And so I thought there's got to be someone out there, some whack job out there on the interweb who claims to have actually be able to oh, communicate with them. I couldn't find one. But what I did find uh -huh. was a not a whack job who is currently communicating with dolphins. So let's talk about the dolphins for a second. All right. Okay. Dolphins' brains are larger than human brains. Okay. Dolphins' brains have more of the uh, folds in it okay. than human brains do. Now, why that's important in terms of brain power is, Noel, uh -huh. uh, the more folds... The more surface in, area. The more surface area. Yeah. The more surface area, the more neurons. Okay. Right? So that means... And, and we've heard this all before, that dolphins are incredibly intelligent creatures. Sure. Right? So, th just recently, <clears throat> a... Uh, a researcher at the Karadag Nature Reserve in Crimea uh, has learned that dolphins... So we all know that dolphins communicate with each other, with each other in a pod. Yep. He was studying a, a couple, two dolphins that were sort of isolated together. And he realized that dolphins were having conversations. Yeah. It wasn't just random communications or like turn left, turn right. Yeah, yeah. They would say things, they would... You know, their combination of whistles and clicks that would basically string together an idea. The other one would not, would wait to hear uh -huh. what the other one was saying and then respond. So that's a conversation. That's like what we do. Yep. Except you don't really listen to what I say. Yep. You just uh, wait till I, the sound <laughs> stops and then go, yep. But that's fine. Yep. <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> so that's amazing, right? Uh -huh. So then I'm like, wow, they're so smart. They're actually having conversations. It's not just like pod group whistling back and forth kind of thing. Conversations, right? So then I found there's a woman <clears throat> who has been named Denise Herzing who has been uh, working with wild dolphins for 28 years. She's been researching them for 28 years. And as she was working with these separate pods, uh, the dolphins were starting to show a lot of mutual curiosity with them, <clears throat> towards them as they were towards the dolphin pod. Yeah. And they were sort of spontaneously mimicking the vocalizations and postures of the researchers. Uh, and they were also inviting 
the human researchers to play with them in part as part of their games. And so Herzig said that she thought, wouldn't it be cool to build a technologies where the dolphins can request their favorite toys in real time? Uh-huh. Right? So they came up with <clears throat> this thing called uh, CHAT, which stands for like Cephachic uh, uh, or whatever the, the, that, those mammalian uh, uh, underwater animals, uh, hearing and telemetry. Okay. Right? And, and it's basically a two-way system that they had created a keyboard that they taught the dolphins to use to request a toy they wanted to play with. And then <clears throat> that keyboard, so that would be underwater, the dolphins would push, push on the keyboard, and then there would be a vocalized thing of, like, ball, Yeah, right, based on where they pushed. She thought, that's amazing that we could teach these dolphins to do that, and they picked it up very quickly. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be great if we could do this with dolphin language? Now, the problem with dolphin language and humans understanding it is a lot of uh, dolphin speech uh, lies beyond human hearing. Okay. It's ultrasonic. Sure. Right? <clears throat> so... We couldn't actually understand dolphin speech because we can't hear dolphin speech. No, but our microphones could pick it up. She decided, why don't we come up with <clears throat> a language uh -huh. that can be used by both? And what she did was she came up with a series of whistles uh -huh. that are separate from what the dolphin's uh, whistles actually sound like right. but can be mimicked by the dolphins uh -huh. to and for simple words, right? <clears throat> And then what would happen is the chat machine with the microphones would pick these whistles up, know, you know, knowing what the frequency are, how they are separate from regular dolphins' whistle, and then immediately translate into what that thing is. Yeah. So it took her a while to get through this training, and it's working. Okay. So dolphins are essentially talking to this woman, right? Uh -huh. So I was like, wow, dolphins communicating with humans. That's really amazing. Yeah. So I was like trying to find out, well, what can I do with that? What can I do with that? And in the process of the research, I came across... A very strange thing All right. that's been going on, specifically this one guy. But then as I researched a little more, I found that this is really not uncommon. There's a, a guy uh, named Malcolm Brenner who's become sort of infamous. He's become known as the man who had sex with a dolphin. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Okay? Now, back in 79, he was working at a dolphin sanctuary. Uh-huh. And there was a female dolphin named Dolly uh, who he claims courted him. Okay. That she started off roughly mm -hmm. and uh, would, like, put her vagina on him and rub up against him uh -huh. uh, and then realized that wasn't working. At one point, like, actually grabbed him and pulled him underwater and pinned him down underwater. And he panicked and freaked out and she let up. And over time, she became softer and more gentler, and he created this very deep connection with her uh, and eventually had sex with her. And he wrote a book about it, an autobiographical book about it, and uh -huh. there's even, you can find on YouTube in 2015, there was a short documentary made called uh, Dolphin Lover, uh -huh. um, which I cannot recommend highly enough. <laughs> Uh, I, I watched 10 minutes of it, but yeah. I, I really got, I'm going to watch the rest of it. And then I saw, I was like, this is nuts. But I started reading about this and this was, this is really common. Yeah. Male and female dolphins wanting to 
expressly trying to engage in sexual contact with human beings. Sure. There was another uh, 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 situation where there was a researcher who actually had to masturbate this very randy young male dolphin to get it to do anything that they wanted it to do to release, right? Now, there is now, because of the brain size uh-huh. and the clear, obvious abilities of dolphins to think and reason and feel, uh-huh. there is a push. There's an actual push to have dolphins declared humans. Okay? All right. So now, <laughs> we've got dolphins possibly being declared humans, yep. the ability to communicate with them, uh-huh. and people who love dolphins. Yeah. This seems like th- groundswell... Get in early. Yeah. Dolphin human matchmaking. <laughs> okay. All right. And and that's really it though, man. Yeah. Because I think we're looking at the potential for a new species yeah. on this planet. Yeah. And look, I understand it's a select group of humans, but they're going to be into it. Yeah. You know, you can, you know, you have the, you get the technology, you own the technology. They can have conversations. They can meet. They can go on dates. Yeah. They can make sweet love under the moonlight in the water. I mean, uh, yeah, that's That's, it. And great. It's huge. That's good. That's going to be the the big moneymaker, guys. You know, one of the things I had read about uh, when I was looking at stuff was there was a woman who was going to try to have a dolphin assisted birth. And she was going to give birth in the ocean, and a dolphin was going to assist in the birth somehow. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, so, you guys, if you want to tell Josh, just like he just told you, you can reach him at Twitter at GRQ Josh Noel. You can uh, email him at GRQ with Josh and Noel at gmail.com. Or you can go on Facebook at Facebook slash GRQ Josh Noel. You can go on iTunes. You can subscribe. You can rate. You can review. Please review yeah. and subscribe. And if you only listen to us as a podcast, tune in Saturday nights at 8 o'clock on Radio Free Brooklyn and see what else is going on on the station. It is full of gold. So... We're all full of gold at this point. So, what are we going to do with that money? We got to do something or it's going to make us crazy. Josh, take it away. Send that money! We'd like to introduce you to the world's most valuable Pez dispenser the 1982 World's Fair Astronaut B Pez dispenser. Designed as a promotional item for the 1982 World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee, it was not selected to be put into mass production. The few prototypes made were given away to employees without a second thought. They are nearly impossible to track down today, but in 2006, one of the only two known existing prototypes sold for a whopping $32,205, Pez not included. So there you go. Yeah. Pez dispensers. There you go, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're out of time. We don't have time for uh, to give us your questions to are your rules to judge our schemes by this week but we know as you know yeah. they're good those were clearly huge money makers yeah big. so you know i don't know what to say other than once again for josh and noel don't spend all that knowledge in one place <laughs>